Hey, Fight fans, welcome to episode 146 of the Fight Library. I am your host, Blaine Henry, and on today's show, we are diving into UFC Vegas 11 Aftermath. I'm changing up how we do things on Aftermath, or I'm trying to. Um, today, we have Drake Riggs of My MMA News, the Broaden Horizon podcast, the WMMA podcast, the Body Lock, a bunch of other places. Drake is a good friend of mine, and I was happy to have him on the show again. We dive into UFC Vegas 11. I keep getting these numbers messed up. Um, and we also look at UFC 253 uh, moving forward here. So please, um, if you enjoy this episode, drop a sub, Ninja. drop a review. It is great for the podcast, and I just like hearing from you guys. So um, without further ado, Drake Riggs and UFC Vegas 11 Aftermath. The legendary Drake Riggs. Drake, thanks for joining me, my friend. How are you been doing? Yeah, hanging in there, man. Doing good. Reunited, brother. Reunited. Been <laughs> Rest in peace to the real, the real open mat. Rest in peace. <laughs> nah, it'll be all right. We'll get something going again one of these days here. Life's just kind of taking its toll. I had to take a step back from all the hammering I've been doing. So, um, But it's good to talk. I'm, I got Davidson. I'm going to talk to him like probably on the next card or the card after that. I don't know yet. I, I've been wanting to talk with him too, so I figure, why not? Let's go ahead and get on here and talk some fight because uh, that's what we do best, huh? Exactly. <laughs> so um, for those of you who don't know Drake, he is a writer, podcaster, and all that for like 100 different websites. Where are you at right now? I know you're with Eric at Miami MMA News still. Yep, Miami News, The Scrap, uh, Fansided, RT Sport, getting back to doing some stuff with the Body Lock here soon. So five total, yeah, five total. I mean, Loudmouth MMA Podcast Network as well, if you want to count them. You know, don't do writing for them, but, you know, doing stuff with them still. Ninja. So, yeah. so tell everybody about your new fancy podcast called Broaden Horizon, which is a oh. great thing. New fancy podcast, and yeah, you know, a great name, right? Um, it's amazing. Funny. Did you come up with it? So, <laughs> my mom is gonna love this because this is the first time I'm ever giving her credit in the public. But <laughs> she, she kind of, I, I, it was kind of both of us, but I feel like she kind of thought of it, you know, while I was telling her about the idea, and it came to her first. But you know, we were throwing. I was thinking of things like that it made sense to where. You know, something like that. But I think she might have said it first, so I'll give her the full credit for it. But um, yeah, it's totally perfect for everything, really. Like what it's about, and then yeah, it's great. <laughs> so it's called Broaden Horizon, but Horizon is spelled with R I Z I N because it's a Ryzen podcast, and and Drake is the most dedicated Ryzen uh, fan this side of the world, actually. Am I? Well, <laughs> all right. I mean, I'll take it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. Mikey Los Tacos is pretty big rising. Is he in our uh, Western Hemisphere or is it somebody else? Or is he in the no, Eastern? I think he's in Canada. I think he's oh, in Canada. Never mind. You're the second biggest. Yeah. Yeah, I know, man. Ryzen's awesome. And, you know, just the whole idea behind the show was like, you know, obviously these fighters are some of the best in the world, right? I mean, yeah, we're seeing more of them come over from rising to ufc now which is like oh where's, where's yuri coming from You're like look at him he's one of the best already manel cape you know and then they still have guys over there that are still some of the best like kaya sakura kyoji horiguchi you know literally top 10 bantamweights worldwide you know incredible talent over there and just the idea was to they i feel like the media 
the main, you know, the main MMA media, like the big sites, everybody, they really just don't even, you know, bother to even attempt to really give these guys more spotlight when they're really some of the best and deserve it. I mean, it's not like Ryzen's a tiny promotion. They're literally like top three, top, definitely top five biggest MMA promotions, right, in the world. So it just, it kind of drove me crazy after a while. I was like, you know, I could do that. You know, it's not hard. Yeah, sure, it's a little bit more work because of the translating, but it's like, obviously it's not that tough if i can do it you know i'm not too bright of a guy but i'm pulling it off so far and it's really fun so it, it's it's yeah i was just like all right somebody can do this hey why not and i'll give it a try so yeah seeing you do the broad horizon podcast made me realize wait a minute there's these people in japan that need to be talked to about fighting because they have a story to tell that's what my website's big on is telling the story exactly. so uh i made it making it a point to go out and get somebody on Ryzen. um Every fight card. So uh, for this fight card, I got Tenshin Nasakawa, and then I got a uh, who's in the co-main event again? Um, and, well, it's kind of secure now, isn't it? Yeah, they haven't released the full bout order yet because there's one more fight that they're going to announce. But I'm I'm sure that Kai will probably be the co-main since you know he's the band oh, champ yeah, and everything. Uh, uh, Takasuri Kumi and uh, Satoru Kidioka. So. I've talked to both of them as well. So shameless plug, you can check that out on Fight Library and uh, Miami News. I got one on there too. Um, so the reason I brought Drake on is because I can talk to myself till I'm blue in the face, but it's always more fun to talk to someone else about fighting too and bounce ideas off of. Um, for those who've listened to the podcast for any length of time, or to all 12 of my listeners, um, <laughs> Aftermath is a breakdown, and we, we go through and see what could be next for some of the uh, – Notable fighters on the card. So that's what I want to do with Drake. Um, first, for, I, I didn't watch all the card. I had a wedding to attend. But uh, first fight on the card, I did catch Tyson Nam. Um, another great overhand right knockout. Uh, you know, he put him down. Uh, what was that, second round? Yeah, he put Rivera down in round mm-hmm. two. Um, it was a fantastic fight. Uh, you know, he, um, he, he ate a bunch of leg kicks, which I didn't like. Uh, but... It was eating those leg kicks that kind of got Rivera kind of cocky and put down and put away. Uh, what did you feel like? How do you feel about Tyson Nam and Rivera's performance there? <laughs> it's kind of funny and a little bit perfect, I guess, that, you know, you missed, you know, most of the prelims and everything. I actually missed the first round of this fight because the, <laughs> the goddamn the ESPN app, man, <laughs> it was being terrible for me to start the event. I was like, of course. All right. I'm, so I missed pretty much the whole first round, except for like the last minute. And so. Didn't really see too much there besides, you know, the knockout and 30 seconds into the second round. So I can't really tell you there. But I mean, it's it's that thing that I think we're kind of finally seeing, you know, obviously the last fight. And then this one with Tyson M. We all knew he was capable of this. You know, he's a seasoned guy. He's been around for a long time. Obviously, we all know of his breakout performance against uh, Eduardo Dantes, who was the bantamweight champion of Bellator at the time when he knocked him out. Um, and, you know, it's had a really kind of a slow start, you know, in the UFC until that last fight, and he's starting to pull the trigger again. Um, and it showed again in this fight. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we knew he was capable of this. It was just a matter of, you know, getting to show it. And this was a guy he was supposed to beat, and he did it. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's what I took from it. Yeah, his first two fights weren't easy either. Sergio Pettis and Kai Car France, yeah. two guys with really great hands. Um, the place he really excels at. So, you know, if, if, if he's having a hard time standing, um, he doesn't really have much to go with. Uh, you know, on the ground there. So I, I really liked what I saw from Tyson Nam. I think he's, um, I, I feel like the UFC is rebuilding the flyweight division from the ground up. 
Um, you see it now with a, a bunch more finishers, a bunch more exciting fighters instead of like no offense like Shorty Torres and, and and Wilson Haste. They were so good and so fast, like it wasn't actionable for like the casual fan, and that was hard for them to keep the keep the uh, flowers around. But after Cejudo kind of flatlined TJ Dillashaw, and there was so much buzz around that, I feel like the UFC made a uh, you know they had a bunch of cuts, but they made a new. Um, yeah, they 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 wanted to build up this division, and I think they're doing a good job building it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's looking good so far. I mean, the thing is with flyweight, it's always been exciting. It's just a you know the people's perceptions were thrown off by how good Demetrius Johnson was. Like everybody was also very good. It's just that he was that much better. You know, it's not like the division sucked. It was just kind of blinded people a little bit and then since leaving we've still seen that go on and obviously people have fluctuated in and out and everything and you know these last two fights for tyson have been at bantamweight actually so maybe that's, oh, that's that right. could be a reason why he's you know looking better again maybe not having to cut but i mean even with these performances now in his back pocket going down could still be something that would be exciting and i think he would maybe do fine there again i, I don't know we'll see what he does there but um yeah flyweight is definitely you know coming Wait, no, coming back bantam- strong I'm yeah. sorry, uh, that was a flyweight fight. What the uh, this last one? Yeah. Oh, it says bantamweight here on my on my end. <laughs> Are you on typology? No, I'm on I'm on Wikipedia. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Typology got them both at flyweight. I don't know. Who knows? One of us is yeah. wrong, and I'm not gonna yeah, dig but... into. I don't want to Flip the coin. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna let you take it up on the prelims if you want, and any of the notable fights you want to talk about going up from there. Um, I started watching with Mackenzie Dern because I can't miss Mackenzie. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Yeah, I mean the the prelims, man. There were plenty of awesome performances here, and a may a really big upset towards the end. But um, of course, you got to highlight that Randy Costa head kick knockout. I'm sure you saw that one, right? Yes, I mean, forty one just that was pretty much the fight right there. I uh, love a good head kick knockout. That was fantastic. Randy continues to prove that, you know, he's a very legit prospect. And, man, bantamweight is so good. Uh, you got guys like him coming in and doing these things. I, I think all of his wins are by first round, you know, finish, which is awesome. Um, and then even b- before that fight, Andre Ewell looked probably the best I've seen him, you know, taking on Erwin Rivera, who's ridiculously tough, that guy. You know, one of those guys that we've seen is always in it and just has a ridiculous chin but can't quite, isn't skilled enough to beat some of these guys, it seems. But, Always in it. Uh, Andre Ewell looked awesome. Uh, Derek Minner, you know, got that guillotine over TJ Laramie. A little bit of an upset. Another a quick submission, quick finish there. Uh, and, you know, I think probably the best overall performance, maybe not of the entire card, but definitely the prelims. I mean, Jesse Jess, man. Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> holy shit. Just yeah, she looked good. Bell to bell. Um, got more dominant as the fight went on. Alpar, Alpar just could not, you know, impose her will, which which was to get to the ground and, you know, do her thing on top there. Just Jesse Jess was on point better than ever there uh, and end up getting essentially two two knockouts <laughs> because of the controversy <laughs> with the referee. Um, very weird situation in terms of the rules and replay and stuff like that. Um, the replay rule, you know, just to talk about that real briefly, has always been kind of a weird thing to me because like, why why can't we use replay right like why is it okay we're done once we use it i've never understand that you know every other sport utilizes replay it's kind of probably more important than most sports in fighting you know to have replays like that um i mean geez think about all the instances where that could have been so helpful but it wasn't utilized for 
you know, this has been a weird rule to me. So hopefully this can kind of push things in the direction of change for that because they gave the NSAC gave a pretty not a great response. I don't know if you saw that, but mm. it was kind of it was kind of weird. They they made a weird excuse about it. Um, I don't have it up here or anything. Remember it word for word. But yeah, go check that if you can. Aaron Bronstetter posted it. Um, and then after that fight, you know, Mayra Bueno Silva in the flyaway division got an armbar over Mero, Romero Barella. Um, that's kind of a sad, sad fight here to just to point out because this absolutely had to be the last fight for Mara in the in the UFC because she was already on a three fight losing streak. That was very bad. You know, two brutal finishes and one dominant loss via decision. Um, I've always thought, you know, going into the UFC that Mara, she was going to be, you know, a, a top 15 staple, maybe not 10 but very underappreciated, underrated, came in and showed that right off the bat with her debut against Kalindra Faria. And then just kind of things haven't worked out since then. And, you know, I believed in her in this one. I believed in her here because, you know, back against the wall, she really shouldn't have got this this fourth opportunity here. Um, and, you know, came out looking very good, but it just wasn't enough. Still got caught anyway. So, unfortunately, probably the end for her. Bueno Silva still looks like a good prospect. And then the massive upset, Damon Jackson, Defeating Mirsad Bektich, man. I mean, geez, Bektich was one at one time thought to be like the next guy at featherweight. You remember that? I mean, there was all the hype around him, and then yeah. he then he got upset by Darren Elkins, <laughs> like in the crazy comeback. He's just turned into one of those guys, I guess. But Damon Jackson, man, credit to this guy for being so relentless with his submission attacks. And I can't believe he didn't get the Kimura earlier in this uh, in this fight. I don't know if you saw the highlights of that either, but dude, you got to check that out because it's like, what is Bektik, does he have feeling in his arms? Because that was nasty. Um, and just kept going for any submission opportunity that presented itself. And he ended up getting a, a guillotine in round three. Crazy stuff. Um, I, I don't know if he'll be able to, you know, compete and climb his way up the ladder so much. But the fact that he was so relentless and kept going for submissions at any opportunity, that's what you love to see from guys who are getting beaten pretty much everywhere in the, else in the fight. But he's still threatening. That's That's awesome. So... Big credit to him. Big upset. I mean, who knows what will be next for Bektis now. He's got to really work on something. If, you know, you can't let these upsets keep happening, these comebacks and everything. But, uh, yeah, those are those were the big points from the from the prelims for me. I asked Drake uh, to hit me the highlights of the prelims, and Drake's like, all of them were highlights. Thank you very much. You they can. were. <laughs> <laughs> they really were. <laughs> oh, man. So I'm going to move up to the main card. Um, Holland and Stewart was a big fight, and it was a fun fight, but you know I really didn't pay much attention to it. Um, it was a slugfest, and it was a split decision. I like that. But I really want to get into was Mackenzie Dern's performance. Um, it, it was horrible until it wasn't. You follow what I'm saying? I, I don't know. I, don't, I can't remember the last time that I was as frustrated watching a fight as I was this one. <laughs> you know, because... Weird. Oh, so 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 Marco said. You remember? Did you see where she was like? Uh, I'm simply not going to grapple with her. I'm just going to stay away from those exchanges. And then she grappled. <laughs> listen, uh, listen. Disclaimer. You know, I love Randa. She's been one of my favorite fighters. You know, for a good while now, and I've talked to her many times and everything. But I, I knew that that wasn't going to be the case. She believes in her grappling ability, and she always has. And you know. Why wouldn't you, as your as a fighter, you want to believe in that? But man, at the same time, you have to acknowledge that like somebody as good at one area like Mackenzie Dern, just just accept going in like, all right, I have no chance in this area. Let's avoid it at all costs. Every time these these fighters, it happened with Hannah Cyphers. You know, it's happened many times before. 
the split second that it's on the ground, they'll play around for just slightly too long, and it costs them. And in Randa's case, she went willingly into it, where in, in Cypher's case, for example, she didn't get out quick enough. Yeah. Um, it drives me insane, man. I. <laughs> it was Mackenzie's bad striking that won her this fight, if you want to be honest here, because if she didn't yeah. that kick, it wouldn't have been on the ground. I know, I know. And there, I've seen people tweeting like, what a great setup. Like she did it on purpose. <laughs> Just totally <laughs> slipped. Yeah. Like, so one thing I did notice about Mackenzie, you know, she's had weight struggles in the past. Um, yeah. She's by seven pounds. She came in looking um, like at the risk of sounding like a pervert. I'm sorry. Mackenzie's thick. Okay. <laughs> she came in looking pretty thin in this fight. Did you notice mm-hmm. that? No. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was, I, I mean, I didn't, I thought that she had, you know, figured out the weight issues going into the last fight like once she got that one down I was like all right cool but yeah no she did look noticeably more you know fit for straw weight because you know in the past like you were saying yeah she was didn't seem like she was like trying to work on you know her conditioning too much you know it was like just working on the other MMA aspects but you know obviously obviously she was missing weight badly so she didn't seem to care about it too much but um yeah no de- definitely her most uh fit for straw weight you know looking appearance and, and performance uh, yeah, I, I want to see her against Verna Jandarova, um, mm-hmm. just for jujitsu's sake, because we know exactly. either that or like the world's worst kickboxing match. <laughs> oh, like, I don't know. Good? I mean, that's so, usually how it plays out. <laughs> yeah. to think about it historically. <laughs> like Askren and, and Damian Maya was just that until they went to the ground. It was like a symphony. It was like... <laughs> It's like you gave a six-year-old an instrument who doesn't know how to play, and then all of a sudden <laughs> Bach comes in. It's like, here, this is how you play. And, yeah. yeah, that's exactly what happened in that fight. So, God, let's hope that they go to the ground if that match gets made. That'd be fun. Um, yeah. Moving up the car, Johnny Walker looked terrible. Um, but but he did show us he can wall walk now. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, very true. <laughs> I mean. Remember, Nikita, he, just, he was out of his element. He didn't know where to go there. Um, his chin's horrible. Um, I like Johnny. Yeah. He's fun, but he doesn't have a chin. Um, he needs to. He, I, I think Kavanaugh's a good place for him too. For that, um, he he needs to learn how to uh, move in and out and stuff. And you know, Kavanaugh's done a great job with McGregor. How much of that was McGregor, and how much is that Kavanaugh? Who knows, really? Um, I guess Johnny Walker will be the test for that. I mean, we've seen other people go uh, over there, and I mean, they're not great at striking. You know, Gallagher's like a decent prospect, but he's not like McGregor. So yeah. we'll see. I like Johnny Walker. I feel like they're going to feed him to Yuri Prochaska and uh, extract what little bit of um, value they have left for Johnny Walker just to make Yuri that much bigger. That that would be a waste of time for Yuri, I think. But um, <laughs> it would be it would be exciting to watch. I guess. I mean, it'd be a good highlight for Yuri. I mean, yeah, man. Johnny's the two biggest problems with Johnny are clearly his chin is not. It's not going to get him to the title at this point. I don't think, you know, if you look at the guys ahead of him, like Yuri, for example, um, and, you know, his his wrestling defense, grappling defense is still doesn't look too great. And that was the thing I thought about when he went to SBG. It was like, well, I don't think they're going to really help him with what his biggest issues are. You know, like SBG is not known for their grappling, uh, obviously. Yeah, I mean, if he's going to go anywhere, like... Even in ATT, you know, just there are plenty of other options <laughs> for for what he needs to work on. Um, so yeah, and I don't I don't think we really got to see that that they helped with that. So we'll see what happens going forward. 
Um, but in the end, he did win. So there's yeah. that. were vicious too. Like holy crap, he can he can pop. He got strike, but he needs to be a Thai fighter, and not an MMA fighter. Honestly, he needs to be yeah. a kickboxer in glory or something like that because uh, it's not just it's not working out with the MMA and wrestling and stuff. He'd do well, and you know, like one, he'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and who wouldn't want to see him versus Ong Lan Song or something like that? <laughs> Brandon Vera, why not? Let's get crazy. <laughs> oh. yeah, I love it. Moving up the card, we got to we, we're going to touch on this one real quick because all it was was real quick. Is how's Matt Um, <laughs> you know, I came into this, I was like, oh, he's taking on a really, really tough uh, GM three here. GM's, you know, he's he's been in the game for a while. Um, I kind of got lit up in my group chat that I'm in on Twitter because I was like, I discovered. I went and looked further into it. Gerald hasn't beat anybody. Ron win is his biggest win. Gerald has made a living off of crushing people that are like five and one when he's got like 30 fights under his belt. He was doing that when he came into the UFC. So after looking at that, I'm like, oh, Chamayev's about to run through him. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't learn anything about Chamayev. Uh, uh... We learned he got a little bit of power in his hands too, but we didn't really learn anything of substance about Chamayev, I should say. Um, they're probably going to face him against Damian Maia like they want. Uh, it was a 17-second knockout. I liked what I saw. But, you know, at the same day, I'm, I'm still not sold on the hype train. What do you think about his win? Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying there, you know, as I look at Gerald's record. Now, that's a really good point, to, you know, something to point out. You look at the guys that have beat him are all guys that aren't really surprising to have beat him, I guess. You know, like, you know, Jack Romance and Tiago Santos, top guys here. And then, you know, I mean, the split decision losses to Kevin Holland and Eric Anders. Um, the Anders yeah. one, he got robbed in. I think that's fair to say. Then the Kevin Holland one, you know, there's the argument there. Heinish, you know, another more top guy. Um, yeah, we learned that. And I mean, knocking out Gerald is a good thing because he'd only lost by TKO or KO twice before that. And obviously in his last fight against Heinish, um, and then I don't see where the other one. Oh, and then against Thiago Santos. No shame in those guys. <laughs> you know, no. getting knocked out by those guys. That's it, to be expected. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, the fact that Hamzat slapped him with one, that's that's very impressive because, you know, the other two guys couldn't do that. Um, and, I mean, Thiago Santos <clears throat> couldn't put him out clean like that. Thiago is a light heavyweight now. Uh, Ian Heinish. Can't make welterweight. Hamzat is making welterweight, you know, fighting in both of these divisions. That's kind of crazy to me. But, yeah, we didn't get to see him tested against uh, in, in the grappling against somebody like Gerald, who that's, you know, his strong area. Obviously, he's got 23 wins by submission. He's kind of a kill-or-be-killed kind of guy in the submission department. But either way, that's that's where he's best at. So we didn't get to see that, which is unfortunate. But um, obviously, he's proven to be very good there. But, yeah, that's kind of the area you would have liked to see him go in this this fight i think but but then again when you go out and start someone in 70 seconds it's like okay we haven't seen that before either holy shit he can do that too (laughs) so yeah i get kind of all sides of it but yeah man he's so much hype to him so we're gonna get to see what he does with the grappling now apparently because they have damian maya booked for him um like tentatively uh you know if i'm damian maya bro i'm pulling guard Come smash me, man. Come on. Yeah. Let's do it. Smash. Let's smash. <laughs> Just being honest, Damian yeah. Maya is a, a tough call for um, Chamayev. And if he beats Damian Maya, then I'm on board the hype train. Because um, Damian Maya is no joke, especially like Chamayev. What if he beats Damian like this, though? 
if he doesn't test his grappling again. Jesus See? Christ, bro. Who's knocked out Damian Meyer like that before? Just Burns. <laughs> well, and uh, Marquardt. Marquardt. Yeah. Marquardt got him exactly. with the flying. Damian Meyer's chin's not bad. I mean, yeah. Burns is a hitter. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I, he beats Maya, and I'm on the hype train. Um, I do like what he said. He said he's going to smash Kamara Usman and Israel Adesanya. I'm like, <laughs> all right, bro. I see you. You got big plans. I like it. I like it. He's like Khabib and Conor Mix. Like, he talks trash like Conor McGregor, but he's like Khabib fighting. It's great. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> Dude, I don't know if you saw. I tweeted it out, but uh, what was it? Was it so last night, Friday night? So going into the event, I had a dream. <laughs> I had a dream that Hamzat fought John Jones for the light heavyweight title, and he just he beat him up on the feet and then fished him on the ground. I was like, "Am I seeing the future here?" <laughs> like after he knocked out Gerald, I was like, "Is this a prophecy?" <laughs> oh my gosh! And then John, tw- but- John John tweeted out a picture of him with Hamzat, and I was like, "It's a trap, man!" Don't do it. I dreamed this. Yeah, I haven't had a fight dream in a long time either, so that's saying something. <laughs> Let's go ahead and move up to the co-main event real quick here, Drake. Donald Cerrone and Nico Price. Your um, boy. The GOAT, my favorite fighter of all time, Donald Cerrone. Um, I don't know why he's still fighting at welterweight, I guess, for money. Because, um, you know, Donald likes to fight for money. He fights 14 times a year. Um, it's well known that going in before this fight, Cerrone didn't spar, and, you know, we kind of just took his word, like, he's good enough, he doesn't need to spar anymore, but I, I read that he was sparring now, or rumors were yeah. circling around that he was sparring now, and it was a totally different-looking Donald Cerrone on the feet. Um, he was a lot more varied in his strikes, he was quicker, he looked a lot better, and Nico Price is, is like his kryptonite pressure. Nico Price yeah. brings pressure, and Donald Cerrone crumbles under that, so I feel like he he looked good here. Um, the draw, I'm, I'm a fan of it, I like the draw. But uh, these guys need to run it back. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm totally fine with that. They obviously both want to. Nico is all all for that, you know, watching all the post fight stuff, and can't blame them. Um, <laughs> the funny thing was, you know, seeing how the, the opposite reactions from Nico was super happy about the draw, and Cerrone was really sad. And I mean, yeah, I get it because Cerrone wants that money. He doesn't get the win bonus, which is unfortunate, uh, you know, yeah. even with the draw. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a good fight, fun fight. It, it was impressive. Yeah. To see that Cerrone was able to weather that early storm because in the first round, Nico was pouring it on, man. Um, and then, you know, the eye pokes made it a nine, nine round. And let's just talk about that. Cause that made me so happy to see, you know, that rule enforced the yes. referees do not do that enough. One, one is enough. Everything after that for, you know, that person, uh, one each, and then everything after is a point, take it away. And the crazy thing was, Nico really didn't even close his fingers too much after that. So he got kind of lucky that he didn't. Well, what he he did do it again, but they did it at the same time and it was more yeah. accidental. Maybe. But either way, was really happy to see that a point was taken. It's like for, offsetting penalties in football. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. For a second, I poke. Um, but yeah, really good fight. Uh, Donald was a little too hard on himself, I think. I don't think it was his best performance or anything, but, um, you know, he he hung in there with a, a time, sure. Yeah, and he hung in there with a guy who is a notable killer. With he can you know finish people anywhere. We've seen he's got incredible ways to finish people. Um, the fact that he made it to a decision is a win alone, even if he doesn't get the win. So, yeah, I mean he was definitely too hard on himself, but I get it because he hasn't officially got a win in a, a crazy you know four or five five fights now. Five so fights now. Yeah, madness. So he hasn't really lost to bad people though. Um, in that five fight skid, yeah. even even uh, he's really not done well at all. Like he, 
this Nico Price is kind of a draw. So um, Anthony Pettis is a former champion. McGregor, former champion. Gaethje, who's now a champion. Tony mm-hmm. Ferguson, former champion. That four-fight skid's not bad. Cerrone's took on killers, man. Um, and he and arguably like, won the Pettis fight, too, I think. I think there's that? argument there. I think he arguably won the Pettis fight, too. I think there's argument yeah. for that. He, he fought well in that fight, too. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Um, he lost to Leon Edwards, Darren Teal, Robbie Lawler, and Jorge Masvidal. Let's be honest. Those weren't bad losses. <laughs> yeah. And then he's just losing to who he's supposed to a gatekeeper. I like it. Um, I'll put this idea, idea out there. Five rounds. Five rounds for Price and Cerrone? Yeah. Do mm. it. Main event fight night. If, if, if it was, if they could make sure, if Dana could make sure that that's Cerrone's retirement fight, that's how it happens. Otherwise, I don't think so because I, I think that might be a hard sell. It'd be fun. I think it would be great. I mean, Fights like that, always better with two more rounds. Come on. But I don't know. I have trouble seeing that actually come to fruition, yeah. you know. But I want it. More <laughs> Cowboy, the better. Yeah, I mean, whatever his retirement fight is, I could even, even no matter how bad his losing streak is, I'm sure that, you know, I could see a main event there. At uh, least, at least co-main event. Let's do it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead and uh, touch on this main event. It was kind of a sad showing, honestly. Um, politics aside... Colby Covington is a very, very good fighter, um, and we knew that. Um, and we also knew Tyron Woodley was washed. Um, I wrote on Rockfin, um, which I see you follow me on, by the way. I, I saw that, and I was like, man, boy, Drake, I love him, bro. <laughs> so I talked about it on Rockfin. The UFC, um, they're, they're in the star-making business, and they leverage their uh, former stars to make new stars. And they're, they're extracting the last bit of value out of Tyron Woodley that they can. Uh, this is probably his last storyline sans Robbie Lawler. Um, you know, I wouldn't be mad if those two fought and retired together. Um, let it go to a draw. Let somebody, get, <laughs> you know. But the UFC basically was, they're running out of storage for Tyron Woodley. And it's, it's basically, they're just like, okay, we're going to be done with him now. He's on the three-fight losing streak with um, Burns, Colby, and Usman. And he hasn't won a single round in those fights. He's not elite anymore. I don't ever know if he really was elite. Um, he was a champion and I think the game just really passed him by, you know, I say he was never elite. I say he, he's not elite by today's standards. I should say, um, Colby, holy crap. Colby Covington looks so good. Um, you know, we know the key to Tyron Woodley is to move in on an angle instead of in forward and out. Um, so he can't get you with the right hand. Uh, so Colby did a good job coming in, moving his head. His, the only thing Colby's really missing, Drake is power in his hands. That's really the only thing he's missing because he's a complete package. Otherwise, as annoying as he is politics-wise, um, you know, did you – wait, you saw how much he was fangirling over Donald Trump calling him? That was ridiculous, dude. <laughs> like, it was crazy because Trump was like a normal person there. It's like a glimpse into how Trump normally is. And then Kobe's like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Please, sir. Oh, my gosh, sir. Oh, give me the dragon energy. I, like, Kobe, what I, are you talking about? I think the Trump most... Goes, yeah, man, that was a really awesome fight. He was good, wasn't he? The, the <laughs> most awkward part, I think, will... Well, I mean, that was incredibly, you know, awkward, Kobe, of course. But, you know, how Trump was kind of... He had what he had to say, you know, congratulate him and everything. And then he's kind of repeated a little bit because Colby wasn't really he was just kind of praising him so much that it was like not a conversation. It was more yeah. of just like him like, all right, I'm sending you this message. I don't know how long I'm, we should keep talking for, but here, um, yeah, good job. <laughs> so it's like, the whole thing was just so weird. I don't care who the president is. I'd, I'd kind of be starstruck, too, honestly, if the president calls my phone. Yeah, that'd be kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, can you imagine Drake? Drake reacted with an amazing Bro on the Horizon podcast. I'd, I'd I love, probably die, I love dude. Horizon. I love Horizon. I love Japan. Japan, the great people. Oh my gosh, I would, I would die for that. I bro. would, I would, I would be laughing sort of like, I, thanks, man. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, it would be just so shocking, you know. <laughs> you know tell, you're giving me the dragon energy with this phone oh call. My God, <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Oh, so what did you think about Covington and Woodley, man? I mean, Woodley notoriously hard to take down, and Covington did it multiple times. Uh, I mean, obviously it was flawless from Colby. Yeah, no, this was absolutely no surprise whatsoever to me. This is what I predicted. I, I even I did a guest appearance on another show um, going into the week, and I, I said on the show, I was like, Colby's going to dominate him five rounds. He's going to get 10-8s in all rounds. I was, I was joking about that, but I was like, I guarantee he'll at least get a 10-8 or two. He was on his way to getting that last round with another one, but had one in the fourth round. I mean, people are saying Woodley's washed. I mean, that's probably, you know, more fair to say now, but, you know, I argue that this has been, he's fought this way his whole, not his whole career, but definitely in the UFC, and it's just been a matter of, matchups and styles making fights for him and that's where his success was because you look at the losses that he had you know jake shields rory mcdonald um you know then there was you know the guys that recently beat him these are all talented pressure wrestlers and you know guys with solid striking and everything and woodley always gives his back to the cage right and then you look at his wins they were against people who were way too aggressive like darren till for example and they came just right in and got blasted like you were saying and then Somebody who people who let Woodley actually dictate the pace, which is uncharacteristic of these recent fights we've seen. So you look at Robbie. Robbie didn't really pressure him in that round of time that they had. And obviously, Wonder Boy, that's not really his game. He's more the counter guy. So that was and then Damian Maya, he doesn't really fit the bill of, you know, that pressure grappler striker, well-rounded guy with that that grappling in his back pocket. He just spammed the takedowns with no setup whatsoever. That's not going to work necessarily. Uh, but then all the other guys, you look at the losses. They were able to do that with the exception of Jake Shields, who kind of just clinch controlled them against the cage. And, you know, it was it is what it is, but it worked. Right. And that was like his second UFC fight or whatever. So the blueprint has always been there. I think it's just a matter of the the fighters he was matched with to get to where he was was really favorable. And we're seeing that now where he's lost 15 rounds in a row with multiple 10 eights mixed in. Um, just ridiculous, really. But. That's just how he's been fighting. And maybe he's m probably more gun-shy now than he used to be earlier on and everything. It, going like good, looking at the Rory fight, for example. But not by much, man. Not by much. It's, I think it's been more of a matter of styles, stylistic you know, matchups and everything. And um, people, people who... I saw polls that thought you know, this would be pretty close for Woodley. And it, I think it's a thing where you hate on Covington because of what, the, what he's portraying and everything. But you got, can't let that blind you. This was a no-brainer, unless you you could have thought, you know, of course, Woodley back against the wall, and this one, too, really needs to win. That kind of thing motivated him to do it again. But on paper, this is how it was supposed to go, always. So here's what I'm thinking. Uh, first of all, Tyrell Willis, 38. It's time for him to retire. He's 38 years old. That's 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 a deck that's centuries in, in welterweight time. Uh, you can fight into your 40s in heavyweight because power's the last thing to go. But Tyron Woodley's a, a, a 175 or 170er. So Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal on the undercard of Usman and Burns, just in case something happens, because Dana's all into uh, doomsday plans now. I like that a lot. <laughs> I, I really think it's a plus. Think about it. That's another. That's another story. 
Colby on this undercard of Usman, who knocked him out, and he's fighting Masvidal. Those two right there, that's a million pay-per-views. They could headline their own card and, yeah. and sell a million by themselves. It would just be great pressers. So I'd like to see that happen, honestly, uh, on the undercard, co-main event. Um, it won't need to be five rounds. It's a good fight, too. Um, I think Colby gets it done against Masvidal. And, you know, he's, he's, we've seen how to beat Masvidal. Uh, Usman showed us. It's not hard um, mm-hmm. for somebody like Colby Covington or Gilbert Burns even. Um, so, you know, just don't let him come at you, push him against the fence. Yeah, that's that's the kind of crazy thing about welterweight is that, like, the whole division, you know, incredibly talented, all sorts of fighters, different styles and everything. But you look at, I think that these top three guys that we're currently looking at here with Usman, Burns, and Covington, they are all, those three are all the only ones that can beat each other right now. I don't think anyone else. You don't think maybe, Leon? I was going to say, I was going to say Leon. Yeah, but I feel like he's, I don't know, he's not as dangerous as those three. I mean, Burns, I think, is probably the most dangerous, actually, in terms of finishing yeah. ability. I mean, we're seeing he's not even needing to use his you know incredible grappling, <laughs> you know, um, his submission skills to get <laughs> things done now, which that's scary, man. I don't think people really understand that. Um, but yeah, okay, Leon, he's definitely in there. But if we were to rank him, I would say those top three, and then he's on the outside. I need to see him against one of them first because, you know, you see uh, the, the Usman and Covington fight like, incredible fight very close they didn't even use their wrestling which is you know their backgrounds which is incredible that it was as good as it was in competitive close and everything um so yeah until i think until we see edwards against one of them and if it's competitive like that then i would say that but as of right now i feel like man those guys are just the 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 big three at welterweight leon edwards everybody's so high on him he doesn't have a really good win um, you know, Dos Anjos and Gunnar Nelson and Donald Cerrone aren't good wins when when you're looking at the type of wins that Usman Covington yeah. uh, and and Burns have. Um, so, you know, Leon Edwards, he needs to get out and he needs to do another fight. He needs to quit aiming for a top fight. He just needs another win. One more win will put him in a title shot because this division will sort itself out within the next six months. So, um, yeah, I'd like to see that. Let's go ahead and touch on UFC 253's top two fights real quick. Um I got to go. It's almost time for supper here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, co-main event, we're getting the first new light heavyweight champion in a long time with Dominic Reyes and Jan Blakovich uh, fighting for the vacant belt vacated by John Jones. Um, what's your take on that fight? How does that go down? Man, it's a uh, I think it's a it's a really good fight, actually. And, you know, it's kind of sad that it might not people might not be as excited for it because Blahovich, I still feel like he hasn't really broken onto, you know, more of the the casuals radars, unfortunately. Um, that's just kind of, I think, been maybe card placement issues, but I think Reyes is a lot more closer there now, obviously, after the John Jones fight. But it still feels a little bit smaller than it should be. Um, and, and, you know, just because the light heavyweight division, this feels weird that this is actually, you know, for the undisputed title, right? I mean, it's really a big change for the division. Um, as for the fight goes, I think that Dominic Reyes, Reyes has obviously proven that he is arguably the most skilled, you know, current light heavyweight in the world because, you know, he just, you know, maybe should have beat John Jones. <laughs> we, can, we don't have to get into that. That's a, always a conversation. Um, yes. But... Yeah, he, he's shown that he if he can do that with somebody like Jones, and I mean, we saw that he had all the skill and potential in the world on his rise up to that spot in the first place. Um, he he should be able to you know outstrike and find the range against Blahovich and even take him down if he wants, whatever. But Blahovich, man, he 
is shown to be very powerful. It just takes one shot for him as well. Uh, and I mean, I think that he's kind of shown to be one of those guys who rises to the occasion in big moments, too, because you look at, you know, his rematches specifically uh, with Jimmy Manoa and then um, it was Corey Anderson. And that was the main event. And, the, and then he lost, you know, pretty convincingly in those first those the first bouts there. And then the rematches. Damn, completely different story. He absolutely styled on him in the rematches. Like you don't often see that in, in rematches. I, I mean, off the top of my head, it seems like a rare thing. Um, right. And then getting his first title shot here, representing Poland. I don't know. I, it's going to be really good and back and forth. But I don't know if I was to do an early prediction. I just feel like you kind of have to lean towards Reyes because of you know what we've seen from him against. You could just go based off the last fight alone, really. I mean, that's good enough reason. <laughs> Let's keep in mind as well, um, he was beating the daylights out of Tiago Santos in their fight until Tiago's caught him. Ah, yeah, that is true. And that was yeah. his last loss, and he hasn't lost before that until he lost to Patrick Cummins in 2017. Um, I feel like light heavyweights on the come up now. Um, you got Yuri Prochaska, you got Alexander Rakic. That's the got... real next champ. <laughs> Who's that, Rakic or Prochaska? Oh, Yuri. <laughs> now, sir. Rackage is the next champ. Come on. Like You're walking punched over, lean to the side. <laughs> so weird. I love it. <laughs> um, main event time. I think this fight's more one-sided than people are, are thinking. Um, we've seen this with Anderson Silva. History is bound to repeat itself. These types of fighters that come in. Um, let me backtrack a second. Israel Adesanya and Paulo Costa are fighting. Um, Paulo Costa is going to bring the fight, unlike Yo Romero. Um, Yo had a smart game plan, just didn't execute it properly. Uh, I think this is going to be a bad fight for Paulo Costa. Honestly, I think Izzy's going to uh, remind everybody why he's the champ because, let's be honest, he flatlined a Robert Whitaker who looked amazing against Darren Till. You know, um, Whitaker's no slouch at middleweight. Uh, he deserved to be champion when he was. Um, I, I really just – Silva styled on these guys and killed these kind of guys through his whole career. Um, I see Israel doing the same thing against Costa, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I, I agree that I think people that the uh, the beef and all the hype around it has really kind of blinded people to think, oh, this is going to be so crazy back and forth and all that. And, you know, unfortunately, when there's that kind of build up to these fights, that doesn't usually play out that way where it's an awesome war or whatever. And I think it's absolutely ridiculous that Dana is so sure that it will be like he's feeding into it himself. And of course, promoters going to promote, bro. But, um, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, that is what it is. But. Uh, yeah, in, the, in those cases, like, look at it might not be as heated as Rampage or Rashad or something, but, you know, the, they'll go out there and they'll be it won't be as good of a fight or it'll be really one sided. Um, it, it might not be so exciting or whatever, because, you know, they're uh, they're so concerned about getting the win, making sure they get the job done that, you know, they're a little bit they aren't as trigger happy as, you know, maybe they should be. Um, but, yeah, stylistically, th this should be a case where Paulo's going to come at him. And then he's going to run into things just consistently. But then it's also like if he get, if he catches is Israel, um, that could be an issue because we've seen him hurt before. I mean, like against yeah. Kelvin and, and whatnot. So, but yeah, it's just, it's a lot. It seems a lot harder for those guys to make that happen than uh, historically when we were looking at matchups like this with these strikers, um, the counter guy is always the one who finds more success and as somebody like Israel Adesanya who yeah that Whitaker performance just ridiculous so so crazy that he was able to do that to someone like Robert who is still incredibly underrated I think um but yeah yeah it's a, it's a really big test for for Costa and 
people, I think people are definitely, definitely being um, uh, some recency bias by seeing Adesanya Romero. Like, you're not going to see that same performance from Adesanya unless Costa waits around, which I don't think he will. No. Maybe, maybe he will a little bit, but definitely not as much. Not as right. much whatsoever. Troy, it's been a pleasure, bud. Plug your stuff. Always, man. Always fun. So, plug my stuff. Yes, of course, we talked about Broaden Horizon off the top here. Got episode two coming this week with a great, great, great lineup of guests. Um, of course, it's going to drop before Horizon 24 on Sunday, September 27th. I will give you a sneak uh, I'll give you one of the guests just because you mentioned him. I also spoke with Toxic Kume, so he is on the lineup, but the others will be secret. Um, so there's a little spoiler. Look forward to that this this week. Um, let's see what else, you know, recently spoke to Jesse Jess, but she won. So that's, that's old news. Now my interview with her, uh, I spoke to Cassius Corrigan, the director and star of the movie Hurric- Huracan, uh, which is about a MMA fighter, psychological thriller. He has, the, the character has multiple personality disorder is out on HBO and HBO max. Really interesting getting to talk to, you know, somebody in the film world who made a very interesting MMA movie, which also features Jorge Masvidal in his acting debut. So that was interesting. And then let's see, okay. you know, the WMA Today podcast that is live every Wednesday on the Scraps YouTube channel at 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. You can catch that. Talk about the women, the ladies exclusively with me and my co-host Steve King. Um, let's see. And, you know, there's I'm always there's so much stuff. I'm always forgetting it. But, you know, I got I got plenty of other things coming out too. just follow me on Twitter at Drake Riggs underscore. You'll see it all there. Oh, wait, of course. Of course, if you haven't read yet my big story, Becoming Mega Magoo, the Megumi Fuji story, you have to read that, please. It would mean a lot. That is pinned atop my Twitter. You can see that it's the story of obviously one of the greatest fighters of all time. That will be in the bio. Uh, I appreciate you coming on, bud. Uh, we'll do this again soon, man. Take it easy. Yeah, you too, man. Thank you. Later, brother. All right, later, man. Thank you to everyone who listened to this show, and thanks to Drake for coming on and talking fights with me. I really enjoyed it here. I hope you guys like this episode. I'm going to get more MMA commentators, and um, we got Wrestling Underground coming next week, or this week, not Wrestling Underground. We've got Rockfin Card recap coming this week with Jake and Jake. So, yeah. Not, uh, oh my gosh, not Jake and Jake. Jake and Austin, what am I doing? Anyways, so um, social media and then we're gone, guys. Y'all have a good week. Thanks again to everyone who listened to this episode. Please drop a sub and a review on your podcast um, app. It is great for the channel. You can also follow us on social media. Blaine Henry TFL and Fight Library underscore on Twitter. Instagram, you can follow us at Fight Library News for all, everything except for boxing, which is TFL Boxing. YouTube, the Fight Library. Facebook, the Fight Library. And the Fight Library Boxing. Twitch, Fight Library. Also, check out the website, fight-library.com, where we post more than just what you hear here. Um, We have interviews from everywhere around the world in many different languages, so you can get the best martial arts in the world. Also, don't forget to check out Swampstank, the best band in the world. Their new EP is out. They graduated from a single to EP. Their new EP, Swampstank, self-titled, is out on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to music. Anyways, thank you all for listening. I'm out. Later.